know we're going to have a good service. Let me say before we read the word, our hearts certainly <clears throat> go out to them families down in Texas that have lost those children. Can you imagine that happened in one of our schools here and we would be here tonight with 19 of our children gone or 19 from Happy Valley or wherever it would be. What a terrible time we're living. What a terrible time we're living. Trouble, trouble people getting under the influence of demons. I went under the Holy Ghost more than I've ever been before. Don't you? Oh my. Harry and I, let me say, and our family certainly want to say we appreciate you praying for our sister Cheryl and her sickness and in her passing and also remembering us as well during that time. Many of you have lost family members, siblings, so you know what it's like to be able to go through that. And we certainly appreciate your prayers and know that the Lord is mindful of us. He doesn't promise us that these things won't happen, but he promises that he'll be with us to help us. Aren't we grateful for him during, during times like this? Let's uh, bow our heads together and then we'll, we'll read the scripture. Lord Jesus, we love you so much tonight. We're thankful, Lord, that when we're living in such an hour that all hell is turned loose. We know your prophet has told us over and over again, when all hell is turned loose, all heaven comes down. We're grateful that we are able to see your presence, your manifestation in our lives, in our homes, in our church. We thank you for being a living God and ever-present help in the time of need and trouble. Lord Jesus, we've come here tonight, not that we could see one another. I don't believe they've come here to hear me, but we've come here to hear from you, to see what you'd say to encourage us, correct us, whatever we have need of tonight, Father. We pray that you would just take charge of the service. Help me that I can get out of the way and I can surrender my human instrumentality, that you can take the gift that you put in me, Lord, that I can surrender to your presence and you could speak through me the words that would be of benefit tonight. We already know if there's anything of eternal value that'll come out of this service, It'll have to be you that does it. We cannot do that on our own. So we need you tonight. Father, our hearts, as we mentioned, we think about those families down there in Texas, Lord. And it's just a sign of, of the end time where we are. The Bible tells us that these things would come. We know that before the end of destruction, there was violence upon the earth. And man's thoughts of his heart was continually on evil. And we see it repeating again. Lord, our, our, our leaders, are, uh, they're so blind themselves. They think that if they can pass a law for this and a law for that and a law for something else, that'll stop it. But we know there's only one thing that'll stop it. That's when you come back to the earth. Lord, I'm so glad I'm not going to be here for the tribulation. What we're seeing now is mild compared to what the tribulation will be. Thank you for making a way for our escape. Speak to us tonight, would you, Lord, from your word, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, saints. Remember also, now I want to announce to you for several different services that we'll be having uh, 
the prayer line here June the 12th. That'll be not only for our church, of course, but anyone who would like to come and be prayed for. Uh, service probably be starting around 2 o'clock, and that'll be after your lunch, and then we'll just go until. So we're just expecting the Lord to meet with us and move for us in a, in a great way. Let's read the most sublime scriptures in the Bible. Any of you know what that is? Some of you think you do, but you're afraid to say, huh? Okay. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book, written within and on the back side, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, nor under the earth was able to open the book, not only open it, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man, notice what the search is for, a man, a human, not an angel, cherubim, seraphim, zoon, a man. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. Let's just continue to read there. Keep your Bible there if you'd like, or you can read it on the screen with us. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. He came and took the book. Notice now out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Now let me read this to you from the breach. This bloody Lamb walked out and took the book out of his hand, what was it? Brother, this is the most sublime thing in the Scripture. Now, those of you that are Bible readers, you know that there have been so many sublime, wonderful, supernatural, tremendous things written in the Word of God. And yet a prophet would say that this passage that we have just read is the most sublime thing in the scripture. You mean more sublime than the Lord opening up the Red Sea 
more sublime than creating the worlds by his spoken word, more sublime than being able to walk on water, raise the dead, heal the sick, even the resurrection, even more sublime than his death on the cross, more sublime than being able to make the lame walk and rub dust and spittle together and make a paste and rub on a man's eyes and tell him to go wash in the pool of Siloam and the man would come back seeing this is more sublime than that. I wonder sometimes if we know what sublime really is. I'm convinced that many in the world of Christianity, the reason they do not catch the emphasis of Revelation 5 is because Satan, of course, does not want them to move beyond the initial stages of Christianity. Early yesterday morning, as I was in a hotel before Carol and I was going to the hospital to be with my family and my sister, about 3.30, the Lord began to deal with me about this, and he was so pulling my heart into this direction of how sublime this act really was. And as I lay there, I begin to think of what a great thing that this was in heaven and how little it's respected and understood on earth. Sometimes it even makes me wonder how many of our own people understand it. And if they really look at it as sublime as it really is. And as I lay there thinking about it and the Lord started dealing with my heart and he likened it to, to this in my heart, to this illustration. That for many, when they come to the Lord and they give him their heart and they repent, many of them may even go as far as sanctification, and they will give much of their life and much of their habits and this and that to the Lord. And then they feel like they have reached the height of Christianity and they never really pursue the great things of God. How many denominational preachers, now you don't have to raise your hand, have you ever even heard mention the seven seals? Or how many of them have you ever heard them talk about the lamb taking the book and the lamb revealing the mystery of the book? The book of Revelation is just a book that many of them, I'm not sure exactly what they think about it. If it's to even be understood or not. Even contemplated, even read. For a lot of Christians, their favorite New Testament books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They can't really get into the Pauline epistles because if they believe in women preachers, Paul's going to skin them. 
If they don't dress right and do right, again, Paul's really going to get them. If they got marriage problems, Paul's going to get them. So you can see why a lot of the New Testament Laodicean Christians don't really like Paul's writings. So you can see why when the prophet was here, they said, you're just like old Paul. Wow, what a compliment. Now, many of the people who said that certainly didn't mean it that way, but it was that indeed. But when you look at what a wonderful thing this was, myself, as I look at it and I contemplate what this all is about, this sublime thing that happened in the book of Revelation, which lay there for 2,000 years, it was tried to be understood by different men, Wycliffe, Clark, uh, many different ones, Whitmore, Whitlock. They looked at this and they pondered. Luther, Wesley, they tried to understand what it was all about. Clarence Larkin, on and on we could go. Spurgeon, and so many that tried to relate what would be the significance of this portion of the word. And yet, I've not found any of them that I've read after and looked at that call these passages of Scripture the most sublime thing in the Bible. And yet, we have an illiterate Kentuckian who never finished high school, who never went to Bob Jones, who never graduated from school or college, Never had a BA, Bachelor of Arts, never had even a, you know, a theological seminary degree, and yet he would describe this in a way that the great theologians never even looked at. When a prophet says something like that, I think we ought to listen up. Now, listen, because Satan would desire to keep the people, not only of the world of Christianity, but mainly the elect in a dispensation where the church has been for basically 2,000 years. Now listen, the Lord Jesus could not take this book at the cross. Now think, do we believe in the cross? If you don't, you're lost. I'll tell you that right now. But the Lord Jesus could not have taken the seven sealed book of redemption on the cross. Why? He died the death of a sinner. Now, not because he'd done anything wrong, but because he took our sins upon himself. Is that right? So he could not take the book and die the death of a sinner at the same time. He did not take the book when he raised from the dead. Now think of this, these thoughts that the Lord was dealing with me yesterday morning. He bought the book on the cross. He became the exchange currency between God and man, the money 
that would be acceptable by God, if you wish to call it that way, the money that would be acceptable by God for our souls, for our righteousness, for our peace, our right standing with God. He did that on the cross. But remember, the cross is step one of a succession of many events in the work of redemption. So redemption is more than just the cross. Redemption is more than just the resurrection. Redemption is more than just the revelation of the seals, which come in 1963. Now, think about this. Whenever the Lord Jesus bought the book and expressed the right of redemption, on the cross. We believe that transpired, do we not? Not a greater work had happened up until that time. But yet, think of this. When the Lord Jesus paid the price on the cross and he bought the right to the book of redemption, yet he could not leave, his soul could not leave the cross and go straight into the presence of God. But his soul went down into hell. Now why? Because he had died the death of a sinner. And God for his sins sent him to hell. So he could not go before the throne of God and take the book in Revelation 5 after he leaves the cross. But he must go down to hell and empty out paradise. Now he could not go into the presence of God and take the book even on the day of the resurrection. Now think of the sequence of events, and I hope it'll make sense to you why Satan does not want people to understand the significance of the lamb taking the book and opening the seals, and not only just in being language that we talk about around the message, but the same lamb of God taking the book of your life and opening up the mysteries of who you are and what you are to be in Christ Jesus. Now, whenever the Lord Jesus died on the cross and he said that it was finished, we believe that, do we not? The whole work of God has been finished. But listen to me now. Whenever he died on the cross and paid the price for our sins, for our reconciliation back into the presence of God, did death stop? Did the Lord Jesus on the cross stop natural deaths for every child of God? Did he stop sickness for every child of God? Did he stop sorrow, anguish, heaviness of heart? Oh, not, it's all right, you're doing the right thing. No, he didn't. But he bought our healing, he paid for our healing. So the cross was not the consummation. The price was paid and the work as far as God was concerned was finished. But how many Christians have died since he said that? How many believers, more believers will die? How many Christians will fight cancer? They'll fight headaches. They'll fight TB or whatever more that they will fight. Why? Because what happened on the cross did not in time annihilate. But what did it do? It destroyed spiritual deaths in the souls of every believer. Praise be to God. 
So what was the work on the cross? It was the beginning of this sequence of events of redemption that will be consummated at the change of our bodies. Now think of it, when he raised from the dead, even as great, as wonderful as that was, it did not stop death itself. Peter and them died, and saints of God have died and will continue to do so until the coming of the Lord. Uh, he did not stop sickness whenever he raised from the dead. Now, let's move up now. Whenever he did that great mighty work, and he bought the book, and he redeemed us from the power of death, which of course was controlled by the devil, and our souls was released from those chains of darkness, then what does that do? That starts the work of of redemption. But even when he ascended up into heaven and moves into the mediatorial position on the throne. Now I love the way the prophet explains this in Revelation chapter 5 part 2 that whenever John looked into the throne of God and he looks in there and whenever the strong angel of the mighty voice said who is worthy to take the book and John went to looking around and under the earth was searched and above the earth and the heavens and everywhere and John looked right into the sphere of God. And John looked into the realm of those angels and John never saw the lamb. But then all of a sudden when John looked and then a voice, one of the elders said unto me, John, weep not for the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. And John no doubt turning to see a lion, but when he turns, he sees a bloody lamb. Now remember, this within itself is part of the mystery of the sequence of the events of the mystery of the Lord Jesus. So he's called the lamb, but he's called the lion first. So the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. Now when the Lord Jesus ascends up to heaven and the apostles of course on the Mount of Ascension stand there and they saw his body rise up and they see him go up in, that was a natural element. But we know that he's been on the right hand of God which means authority for 2,000 years making this mediatorial work and intercession for every name that is on the Lamb's book of life. But yet something happened on the earth in this, our generation, in 1963 when God wants to make it known again by the preaching of the word and the revealing of the word through a prophet that a lamb is going to take the book and be able to release the mysteries. So now think of it, if the lamb literally took the book in 1963, then that signifies if it was a literal taking, then the last person's name was already called off. If he literally took the book in March of 1963, I agree with those who preach it, then nobody else can be saved, which includes me. But he did not literally, Brother West, take the book but it was a taking in a symbolic form to make known the mystery of the seven seals. Now, the seals themselves, of course, started happening down through time. And I've already mentioned to you that Paul, as far as we know, he probably didn't even know what the seals were. If he did, he didn't mention it. Peter never mentioned it. Now, the rest of them mentioned it except from John. Now, notice also then when the mystery of the seven seals was preached in 1963, did it stop death? No. Did it stop sickness? No. Did it stop heartache? It did not. 
So all of those sequence of events that were the Lamb of God in his active portion of who he was, none of them stopped physical deaths. So there's got to be one more. Praise God. There's got to be one more event that will unfold to where it will stop natural physical deaths for the elect of God. Amen. Now what's this in souls in prison? That he said all that he died for was written in the book and he could not leave his mediatorial seat until he had thoroughly redeemed and he couldn't redeem it at the cross. Now notice he couldn't thoroughly redeem it at the cross. He bought it, yes, but that's not the same thing. Have any of y'all ever bought a car or bought a house or bought a mobile home and yet you walked right off the lot and you signed the deal and you said, we'll come back and get it tomorrow or we'll come back in three days and we've got to get the title for our trade in and we'll come back and we'll do it then. Any of y'all ever done that? Sure you have. And yet it is yours as far as that goes. It is yours. The title deed is yours. It's made to your name and all that sort of thing. But the difference is you have not taken possession of that car or a possession of that furniture or a possession of that church building, whatever it is, but you've already signed those binding documents which would stand up in a court of law that that is your property. So the Lord Jesus, the finale of that as far as the work of the sacrifice was completed on the the cross itself. Now think of it, these works are so great that not one can replace the other and not one of them are complete by themselves and yet nothing else could ever be done that would ever make a substitute that would do what they did. You know, as great as the rapture is, the rapture could not have bought our souls like the blood of the Lord Jesus on the cross. As great as the seals being preached in 1963, how wonderful it was and great it was, but yet that could not die for us on Golgotha 2,000 years ago. Is that right? So each one of them open up into the other. So his own life, his body, which Isaiah says that he would give his soul as an offering. So it was not just the blood, it was the soul. Every lamb in the Old Testament did not have a soul which could come back on the worshiper or the believer. And the soul was where man had his problems. He had soul problems. So he needed a lamb with a soul that would be able to take care of his own soul issues. So what did God do? God produced a lamb with a soul which would be able to deliver us from our soul problems. Hallelujah. And yet that work with it itself led right into the other, led into the other. All of them produces and completes the whole great program of God. But if we stop only at the cross and we emphasize only the cross. Now watch this. Here the prophet says that he couldn't redeem it at the cross because they were predestinated in the Lamb's book of life and he had to stay on there to make intercession unto the last person was finished glory. So even though the work of the cross completed, paid for, bought, signed, sealed, delivered their soul but yet they're not finished. I was not finished personally. I'm still not finished. I'm 
still been working on. Anybody else here beside me? We're still being worked on, but yet was the cross a failure? Absolutely not. It led into the years of the necessity of me needing a lamb for my mediatorial walk. This is what I need the lamb for every day of my life after I became a child of God. Oh my goodness, I still need the blood. I don't know about you. I still need the blood. I still need mercy. I still need the grace of God. Maybe the rest of y'all are perfect. Well, pray for me because I'm not. But I still need, I don't need the Lord Jesus to go back on the cross and die for me every time I fall short, every time that I would question this or that or the other. But what I need is that further work of him being on the mediatorial throne to intercede, not for me being a sinner, but to intercede for me being a forgiven child of God who just made another mistake. So I don't need him to go back on the cross. Okay, Donnie, I'm going back to die for you. He did that once and for all. And it was absolutely so perfect and so complete, he will never have to do it again. But he raised them from that body and from that work, and he was seated there in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What for? To become a king? No. The Bible calls him the king of saints. But he is not now presently the king of this world in the sense of having controlling it all. But the devil is, as the prophet relates to it in the brief, and also Revelation chapter 5 part 2 that the devil is a squatter and he's on this property but he ain't got no title and he ain't got no deed and we're fixing to kick him off. That's right because it belongs to us. But the time is not yet right for us to take full possession. What's this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18? For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved It is the power of God. So the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that don't believe, but to those of us that are saved, it is the power of God. So is it just any cross? There was many crosses in the days of the Lord Jesus. The Romans killed many, many people by the cross. So was it any cross? No, it was a particular cross. And it was not really just that wood. It was not the wood. Now you know that Paul, in writing about it, he wrote more about it than any other New Testament writer, that Paul many times would switch out the word and he would use the cross and it would be equivalent to the person dying on the cross or the price paid on the cross or the blood. So Paul would switch it back and forth. So here Paul again in Corinthians is not saying that we're saved so much by just that particular wood. That wood was more holy than all the rest of the wood. Of course it was not. But he says unto us which are saved it is the power of God. So you mean that piece of wood was the power of God? No. But our faith looking at our sacrifice on the cross releases the power of God to us. Sinners look at that and they laugh at it, make fun of it. It has nothing that it can do for them as long as they do not receive it. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross now notice Paul does not say death on the cross but the death of the cross so there was such a reproach and such a stigma of dying on a cross even so much the Old Testament says in Deuteronomy cursed is everyone that dies or hangs rather on a tree so 
was a great stigma to die like that. You imagine you're, you're, you go to and you're, you're killed by capital punishment. People say, oh, that guy must have been awful. He must have been absolutely horrible. Well, that would have been the form of capital punishment in that day. The lowest degraded death, it was reserved for the lowest of humanity. Criminals, murderers, all kinds of the low life as we would say. And it was a great reproach. Notice Paul goes on to say in Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now take this literally, and it sounds as if though the cross was bleeding. But what is Paul doing? Paul is using a language which he was very familiar with and very famous for, that he would take a natural something and he would turn it into a spiritual representation. That's the way prophets do. So it was not that the cross actually bled, but it was the cross from the sacrifice of the body that gave itself to the wood and the wood became painted with this sacrificial blood and then he called it the blood of his cross by whom to reconcile all things unto himself by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven yet are all things reconciled to him as yet they are not but they will be Colossians 2.14 blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us and took it out of the way nailing it to his cross again a symbol a spiritual symbol making it sound like that the Lord Jesus took this transgression and nailed it himself to the cross now you understand what I'm saying that a prophet would speak in symbols this is why sometimes the people misunderstand the prophet in our day and they try to read the message like a newspaper you'll never get it you'll never understand it you'll miss it a million miles now literally let's take it this way well according to the Bible the Bible says he nailed it to the cross was that literal it was not literal but yet what was nailed to the cross that which become the part which went between us the guilty party and the innocent party which was God yet look at Paul he says blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us which was what the law as we looked at Ruth Sunday that according to the law she could not come in to the covenant of God neither could those born of Ruth for 10 generations which was 400 years that's what the law said but grace said come on what are you going to do well the law may say you can't do this and you can't do that but if God reaches me mercy I'm taking it according to the law us Gentiles there ain't no way for us to get in but mercy said come on in I said all right Lord now look what happened was of course earth's master lost his identity and when the master of the earth lost his identity then everything under his rulership come under the subjection of Satan this wicked evil ruler what is it that moves on an 18 year old boy or any man or woman as far as that goes no matter what their age is uh, to get a weapon and go into a school and kill 19, 18, 19 innocent and children and, and teachers and one after another. You hear it every week. Oh, my goodness, how long was it ago? A few years ago. You'd hardly ever hear of these things. But now in the last month, how many of these things have we heard about? Don't you understand what it is? The demon powers are streaming out in every direction, friends. You're only saying, oh, you say I'd never do that. My mama trained me this. You're not saved by the training of your mama. You're going to be kept by the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, let me 
tell you something, if you ain't got the Holy Ghost, you better get it with all of your getting because that's the only thing that's gonna keep us from going totally insane in this day we're living. Now watch this, the prophet said nature's groaning and we're groaning with it. Nature is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God because nature was cursed with its master. I walked into the hospital yesterday and I got by myself a little bit and uh, I was just thinking about death and sickness and, and at the same time there in the hospital uh, a baby was born in one floor and, and this person dying in another floor and this person dying in another floor and you think what a contrast of life and death in the exact same place and I just said to God, God when is all this going to stop? When is this death and suffering and sickness going to stop. Oh, but then I realize when the master comes back to his place and he's able to walk out with the book having been restored to his life and man has been returned unto that position of being God. That's when the place that we live will be turned back to what it was. Oh, I hope that don't shake you, but I hope in one way it does shake you. Because the prophet said God become a man that man might become God. God never made us to be sinners. God never made us to be liars. God never made us to be hypocrites and live an adultery and live a wicked sinful life. But when God made his first man, he made him to be a God. And I'll tell you, friend, when we get restored, that's exactly what we will be in the restoration. And I hope you understand it, that we are in the last phase of that cycle, returning back, not just to be a man on steroids, a glorified man. No, sir, we're going back to what we were made to be in the beginning, and that was the master of this earth. Oh, hallelujah. It ain't no wonder the tree's grown. We can't hear it. Our, our ears aren't tuned to be able to pick it up. But if we could hear them, I hear it every now and then on the radio. Brother Branham had a radio that he listened to. Y'all know that, don't you, right? It was the birds. He said that was his radio. I like to listen to them as they sing. And my, they, they, just, they just sing and sing and sing. Isn't it amazing how they don't sing that much in the wintertime, in the fall? Wonder why they're groaning. What are they groaning for? Spring. Amen. But not just spring of 2022, but the real spring. Amen. Amen. What are they groaning for? You imagine the trees, how full of life and vigor and strength they are. My, our East Tennessee mountains are absolutely beautiful, are they not? But it, before you know it, it'll be September, then October and November, and then beautiful leaves will turn off to red, yellow, orange, and brown, and they'll fall off and they'll lay right back down upon the ground, and we'll look at these beautiful mountains and say, where do they go? They're still there, but they've lost their beauty. It's the same thing with a young man or a woman. My, how many of I married over the years and standing, you see a young man and a young woman standing there, and you think it won't be too many settings of the sun to where that he'll be getting gray hair and she'll be getting gray hair. The children will come along. My, some of you, I've married you and now I've married your children. I just hope I ain't going to the third generation of y'all. <laughs> I'm hoping the Lord's going to come. But before you know, you say, where does it go? What happened? And we're groaning. Why is it you 
you sisters don't like that turkey neck? Why is it y'all don't like them crow's feet around your eyes? Why is it you brothers don't like that level when you go to getting on the level? Some of you have never been level your entire life till you pass 40. And then you go to getting level, you know, right here in the middle. You're on the level. You got a bubble in the middle. What is it that we look at ourselves and you say, in my mind, I'm still a young man. Yeah, get out on that basketball court and then in the morning tell me you're still a young man. When you can't already roll out of the bed. Some asked me just a week or so ago, said, Brother Donnie, when we move into the new place, are you playing basketball? I said, ain't no way. I respect the gift of God too much. I ain't gonna get out there and break no leg and fall and hurt myself. Now, for having ball games and wheelchairs, maybe so. I feel a little safer doing that. But why is it we don't like to grow old? Why is it we don't like glasses? Why is it we don't like contact lenses and our hair falling out and this and that and the other? It's because we are a part of nature and there's something inside of us. Why do we sing there's a land where we'll never grow old? Oh, where the roses never fade and the flowers will never lose their beauty. But it's not just the flowers. It's not just the trees. But you and I will have eternal use. We will bloom out in the Garden of Eden again. We'll never grow old. We'll never get tired. We'll never get wore out. Hallelujah. All of us will be the exact same age. Mothers, fathers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, great-great-grandmothers will all be the same age having eternal life in an eternal body. Hallelujah. When the earth has been restored back to its master. And the cross was the beginning of this sequence of events. What's this? Nature fell with the master. But when this kinsman redeemer come, hallelujah, and redeem back the man, that's the master over nature. Then all nature is waiting for the main master. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Don't twist what I'm fixing to say. But in one sense of the word, Satan would love for the dispensations to remain as they are. Now think, for 2,000 years after the Lord Jesus shed his blood, and him shedding his blood on the cross will not stop Satan from being the God of this world. It can stop him from being your God. He's called the God of this evil age. You mean the cross didn't stop that? No, it did not. You mean the cross won't stop the Antichrist? Absolutely not. Well, what will bring an end to it all? The Lamb taking the book. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Oh my, the main master. What do we do? We take the axe and slip it in our hands and chop the tree down if we want to. But that day, we won't do that. Now what a simple little thing that we take an axe or a chainsaw and we go down and cut a tree. We don't think that much about it, but we were not made to do that. We were not made to do it. We were not made to take the lives of animals initially and eat them. And we won't be doing it in the new earth. There'll be no deaths. Praise the Lord. You would have went over there and picked fruits off of the trees 
and ate those fruits, there would have been no deaths. There would have been no cows bawling, nothing else that would have died and given its life. You would have constantly renewed your youth by eating the fruit of those trees. Praise be to God. Notice this, he says, oh, nature is waiting for its master. And the master is the sons of God that was given this earth. Now God will have his heavens, of course, but this was given to men. And the kinsman redeemer came to redeem us back to that we lost. How beautiful. My, he said, a lamb redeemer, when the work is finished, we have all things again. What kind of all things? We have all power. We have eternal life. We have eternal health. We have eternal use. Guess what? Every doctor won't ever practice over there. No chiropractors will set up any offices there. No, 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 no physical therapist. No, no, they'll never be there. Why? We will have perfect health, perfect use. Amen. Amen. You'll never have a gray eye. I said yesterday, my sister and a niece, and she reached over and tried to pull something off my eyebrow. And she said, oh, I thought that was Lynn. I said, no, it's attached. When you get old, them eyebrows turn gray. Oh yeah, what is that death working in my mortal body? Why? I don't have eternal use. I don't have eternal health, but yet I've got eternal life living here. Why? Because my full inheritance, Lord children, our full inheritance, Brother Larry, has not been yet restored to us, but we're on our way, Brother Jim. We're on our way, but we still get sick, we age, we get weary, we get down, oh my, so much, but we've got the down payment of our inheritance and we are going to take this earth over. We was not meant to control heaven. We were not meant to even stay in heaven. People say, oh, I want to go there and live in heaven forever. Not me. I was made to live on this earth and I'm going to come back to it and live here forever. Oh, listen what you're fixing to have. We have all power. We have eternal life. We have eternal health. We have eternal use. We have eternal power. Oh, we're just eternal with the eternal. And then we're all waiting for that time to come, waiting and groaning, waiting. Oh, what did we have at the beginning of eternal life? We was heirs of the world. Isn't it amazing the celestial heavens never fail? Why? They were not placed in man's domain. If God would have given man all of that, the whole universe would have been out of cater. But God only gave him the blue planet. Now you think of the mercy of God. That God knew the earth would lose its original state. And he made it so after the end of living destruction when the floods would come that it would tilt 23 and a half, 22 and a half degrees on its axis and cause four seasons on the earth. And yet God placed that amount of tolerance in the earth knowing that man would fall. Amen. But brother, sister, it's fixing to be brought back up again. When? When you and I come to mastership. 
Brother Scott, when we rise above this carnal, you know what? We're held here in this prison. And we couldn't leave if we opted to say, Lord, I'm going to leave tonight. I'm just ready to go home right now, Father. I'm going to leave right now. And we say, well, okay, okay, well, come on home then. It's not our choice. That's his choice. It's not our choice. I, I'm sick of this. I want to take the world over. It's not quite time yet. The Antichrist has got to raise and Armageddon's got to come. And all these things have got to happen, but there's something in me. I'm anxious. How many is anxious enough for this new world to come? Oh, my. I, I get so sick of this one. It's so rotten. It's so corrupt because the God of this evil age is so low down and so rotten. Nothing but a thief and a liar and a scoundrel and a squatter. But he's fixing to be, hallelujah, placed down there in a prison house before long because there ain't going to be nobody for him to work through in the millennium. And the sons of God will walk out on the ashes of the wicked. Oh, listen what we had. We was heirs of the world. We had life. We never had to die. Never had to be sick. Never had to get old. Never had any worry. There was no funerals. No graves. No evil. No death. No gray hairs. No stooped shoulders. No mourning. No crying. We had life eternal. We had the jurisdiction over all the earth. Notice how I keep saying this. We, we, we. We who? In our head. Adam. Adam forfeited my position. He said, that ain't fair. Oh, but it is. He was the head of the race. And justification and total reconciliation can come back through one as well. Through one man's sin, we all was brought to this. Through one man's act of obedience, we're brought back to justification if we will accept it. We was just a God. That's all. On the earth, walked about. If this tree didn't look right standing here, we'd say, be thou plucked up and set over here. And it would do it. The winds was blowing. And we didn't want the winds to blow. Peace, be still. I don't like wind much myself. Y'all don't know it, but I've got wavy hair. You say, really? Your hair's straight as a stick. I'm talking about when the wind's blowing. I spray it down, the wind gets under it, and it waves. <laughs> now, some of you's got, you men that's got really nice laid down hair and curly hair and all that sort of thing, you don't have to worry about it. You got a head full like I do. You got to do something to take care of it. Carol will tell me sometimes I need some of your liquid cement. Brother Donnie, don't tell me you use hairspray. You better be glad because it'd be hanging down my face most of the time if I didn't. But look at it. Look at the color has changed since I've been here with you. There's a picture of me hanging on that wall there in the poem that Sister Celia wrote about me years and years ago. I walk by that picture and say, who was that guy? Who was that guy? You seen it in there, Brother West. Those of you that have been in that room there. My, it was me in a younger form. Glory to God. I'm going back to even younger than that. When I came here, I was about 30 or 32 or something like that. I'm going back to about 18. I'm going to walk out with my wife. I'm going to walk out with the saints of God. And we're going to take over. Then peace will come to the earth. Eternal health will come to the earth. And the earth will go eternal global warming 
<laughs> Woo! Glory be to God. Oh, my. Oh, if he didn't want the winds to blow, he'd say, peace, be still, and it did it. What did he come to do to redeem all that back? To who? To who? Oh, 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 my. Get all that back again. And yet, the cross itself, it didn't happen there. 1963, when the seals broke, didn't happen there. But when will it happen? When the Lamb literally takes the book, not in symbolic form, but in reality form. <sighs> then what will he do? He will call for his pride. Why? Because now he is a lamb. It would be unbecoming. You understand Peter's never seen Jesus and his glorified body. Peter saw him there when he raised from the dead. But once he ascended up into heaven, when Peter died, Peter didn't go up into the seventh dimension where God is. He's in the sixth. Paul's in the sixth. Now, when Brother Branham was carried up there, he never saw Luther's people. He never saw Paul. He never saw Peter would lead you to believe that there must be divisions in that sixth dimension. Imagine when some of the saints from our assembly here, my, in the last few years, we've lost so many of them. As we'd say lost, we know where they are, so they're not really lost. But uh, whenever they go there, they're not going over to see Paul. They're not visiting, jumping over and saying, how you doing, Lister? I've read about you. How you doing, Wesley? How you doing, Spurgeon? But they're staying right there under the ministration of who? The seventh angel in this day. Is that right? And he then will present us as Paul will present his age and Luther and so on. But yet it would be unbecoming for, for Peter, for Paul, for any of the saints of God to see the Lord Jesus standing there as it was in a symbolic form with bloody garments on. A bride coming to her bridegroom and stand him standing there with blood Symbolically, on his garments. So when the rapture comes, he will step out. Let me say it to you like this, that he will step out behind the curtain, as it were, and when he steps back out, they notice he's changed clothes. Amen. The meditorial robes have been laid aside. Amen. Now what's he dressed like? King. Oh, glory. You see, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he will take the book as king. When he broke the seals for us, the mysteries to understand the seals in 63, it was still the lamb. People still don't get it. They, they, they just don't get it. It was the lamb that had to come. Don't you understand the seven seals, the coming of the Lord? That don't mean it's just got one coming. It's the coming of the Lord so it can come again and again and again and manifest himself and it all fits under that seventh seal. Watch that seven. That was the finish. That was the coming of the Lord. It was not Brother Branham that broke the seals. It was not Paul. It was not Peter. It was the lamb himself that came down and used that human body. Oh, glory. But it was not the book. Literally, tell you, we say, how do you know? My gray hair. Your gray hair. Well, come on, your glasses. When he takes that book, we'll change clothes too. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. We will 
change clothes and then we will meet him not as a mediator but king king praise the Lord notice this he says watch real close this is something ah you must get He's been doing his mediatorial work, making intercession for the believer. For 2,000 years, he's been back there a lamb. Now he's stepping forth from eternity to take the title deeded book and to break the seals and reveal the mysteries. When of it? At the end time. So the mysteries of the seals was broke. When? March of 63. Saints kept dying. Saints kept getting sick. All kinds of things went on. It seemed as if though they went on just the same way that they had done for years and years. Except in that realm where demons look at, they could tell the difference. Because they saw what used to be a dark ray coming out of an individual soul, that soul come into the presence of the light, and they watched a miraculous thing take place in that individual that that individual themselves become light. You see, Paul said, you who were sometimes darkness, now are ye light of the Lord. You're not just in the light, you are light. Amen. Amen. God's law required a kinsman redeemer, and the lamb come out boldly. I am their kinsman. Oh my. I am their redeemer. I have now made intercession for them. I've now come to claim their rights. We couldn't do it. And he couldn't do it leaving the cross. He couldn't go up this way. He had to go down this way. Why? He was a sinner. My, my, he was a sinner and died the death of a sinner. So he could not go up to Father God and say, hand me the book. But he bore the judgment of God and went to hell. But the Bible didn't say that he had to be there four weeks, six months, five years. So he went down there and completed it and emptied the judgment of God right over on the devil. Hallelujah. And brought it right down there and kicked the gates. The prophet said he stepped back and kicked the gates of hell and shucked the walls down off of hell. I don't care how many times the devil tried to rebuild them walls that just keep falling around. You know why? Because God's got a body on the earth and they're doing the same things that he does. Well, glory! He tries to hold God's people and the sons of God and the daughters of God pray and they believe God and the gates of hell are still falling tonight. The gates of bondage are still falling. The gates of hell are giving way to the Holy Ghost. Oh my, I've come to claim their rights in that they have a right to everything that was lost in the fall. And I've paid the price. Oh, brother, don't it make you feel religious? He walks right up to the right hand of God and took the book out of his hand and claimed his rights. Amen. I have died for them. I am their kinsman redeemer. I am the mediator. My blood was shed. I have become man. I did this in order to get that church back again. The one I foresaw before the foundation of the world. Praise God. I have purposed it. I spoke that it would be here. Nobody was able to take it. But I went down and done it myself. But if you don't want to just send a servant, you don't want to send a secretary, but God come himself. 
Amen. The main man come himself. I went down and done it myself. I am their kinsman. I become kinsfolk. And he takes the book. Oh, who's waiting there for me tonight? Who is that one church that's waiting there? What else could wait there for you but the kinsman redeemer? Oh, my. What a sublime statement. All right. John looked into that realm and he peered into that realm. Brother Ram said the reason he couldn't see it because he was hid back in there in the throne of God. He was hid back in those powers. John looked and he looked and he saw walking right out of what he had just been looking at. Boy, I've done that many a time. So turn reading the Bible and read a message book and read it and read it. And then one day you pick up that same book. You've got it marked in green and purple and yellow and pink and all that, you know. And then it's like you ain't never read that book in your life. Whenever I read books, mainly years ago, whenever I read the message books, I would read it and, you know, highlight it and mark it. And then I would go back and get me a brand new one. Because what I learned was that my traditional eyes would go to traditional markings. And I found out them traditional markings would limit my understanding. So I was just going going over. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? So I'd get a new book every now and then. Yeah, uh-huh, I hear you. Yeah, sometimes it's got to become a new book. You see, Brother Branham said whenever the, them seven seals opened up, he said behind that mountain over yonder when he was there in Arizona when he said it, and he said this Bible become a new book. I love the way he said that. He did not say that it become a book that you no longer needed or it become a book that just lays over here on the table and gathers dust. Now, I mean, what he said, Brother West, he never said that, that look, message people now that I'm here, y'all don't even need to read your Bible no more. That's false prophecy. I said that's false prophecy. But Brother Branham said the Bible become a new book. Don't you understand what we needed? We didn't need a new translation. We've got the Young's translation. We've got the new King James translation. We didn't need a new Branham translation. What we needed was a prophet to be able to open the light of the Word of God and we could read it from the same Bible. I find it amazing. I preached from the same Bible that I preached from years ago and I preached about three gods. I preached about this and that and the other. Trinitarian baptism. I preached an eternal hell right from the very same Bible. What, Brother Donnie, what'd you do? Go get a new Bible from the bookstore? No, I went to heaven's store and God opened my eyes and I can preach it from the same Bible that there ain't no eternal hell, thank God, and that women cannot preach. Well, come on, church. But what is it? It become a new book. Don't you understand? God wants this message to become so real to us that we're not just a cult. We're not just a group of people sitting around quoting a bunch of quotes, but this word becomes so real. Lord God, let it be real to me. Let it be real to my life. Let me become a living, a written epistle of Christ Jesus. Oh, listen. Listen. Please, listen. You see, their names are put on the book of life. The book of redemption and Jesus come to redeem those that have their names in the book. And when that last name is redeemed, the lamb takes the book and walks away. That's all. Redemption is over. Not when the mysteries is preached in 63, but when the last name is revealed. Might be somebody here tonight. Might be somebody streaming this service. Praise God. And then notice what he says. Then it's clear.
closed. It's over. Redemption is over. Go wait, Jesus, that church is predestinated church and every name that was ever put on that book, Jesus came to redeem. And when that last name is redeemed, and when the last name is redeemed, the book is closed. Why? The work is finished. And the whole work of the book is tied to what? Names. Names in the book. So when the last name is called and finished, it closes the book. Wow, what a, what a wonderful thing. The book that was closed then was open. Now it's going to be closed again. Praise God. Why? Those living word names are fixing to stand before him. Amen. This is the rapture, friends. Now, he didn't intend that no one would be lost, but he foreknowledge let him know who would be lost. Therefore, he could predestinate them. Their names are put on the book. And when that book of redemption is closed and sealed with seven seals, while it's being worked out by the mysterious powers of God, and someday when the book of redemption is finished, the Lamb takes it. Then the last name is called off of that. The lamb comes forward to call what he has redeemed. That's his church. I believe that time is close at hand. If that was in 1963, November of 63, where are we now? Let me read just a portion of one more. He that is in you. See, all in the Lutheran age... He pulled them out. All in the West Age, he pulled them out. All in the different ages, the Pentecostal age, he pulls them out. They're over here. Won't be judged. They're rapturing. Then when the last name comes out that was put on the Lamb's book of life that was slain before the foundation of the world, when that last name has been redeemed, his work is finished. It comes forth to claim what he's redeemed. Where? At the cross. At the cross. He bought you. He paid for you. You're his. But you're not finished maybe for 2,200 years later. 2,000 years later. 1,500 years later. And your name is on the family album. And it's got a picture there of you too. Remember that question answer 64? God took a picture of you when you was at your best. Not when you was 18 or 20 but before the foundation of the world. We have to wait till our children are born. Not Papa. Papa was just up there, nothing to do. So he just decided to go ahead and make his family album before they all come to the earth. So he said, smile, Scott. Smile, Moses. Smile, David. <laughs> Glory. He took a picture of you when you were at your best. You know what that means is? I'm going back to my best. Amen. Believe me, I have seen my better days. Anybody else honest enough with me here to say, yeah, go ahead. Arthritis, you can't get it up. Help her, Brother Danny. Help her get her hand up. Arthritis, yeah, I know, I know. But a lot of us, we've seen our better days in the flesh. But you're going back to your best. That's right. When the last name has been redeemed, he comes forth to claim what he's redeemed. That makes our heart bleed. Listen to this. But if it went on a thousand years later, there would not be one redeemed. 
I know it's confuses people. And people say, Brother Donnie is so hung up on predestination. No, I'm not hung up on it. It's what hangs me up. I love it. Because I know he ain't going to lose a one. And it's not like, well, you better get out there and you better go knocking on doors and you better, no, no, that's not the way it comes. It comes by us being led of the Spirit of God and God will lead us to cross the path of somebody's name is on that book. And there won't be a one of them left behind, not one. And when that last one is redeemed, if it went on for a thousand years or 5,000 or 10,000, there'd not be another one saved. He will not lose a one. That ought to make you feel like shouting tonight, just in case that one was you. My, let me read this and we'll close. Oh, that makes a heart bleed, but if it went on a thousand years later, there'd not be one redeemed, and no one can be redeemed unless they were put on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I told Carol the Lord was dealing with me there yesterday morning in this avenue. I want to save us to the end. I told her, I said, the way the Lord was showing me about it was a man and woman, they get married. And all they ever talk about is the wedding day. Wasn't that the most beautiful dress? Oh, that sermon. Them vows. Wasn't that awesome? And that cake. Oh, I wish I had a piece of it right now. Oh, that cake, that was just, and every time you see them, they're just referring back to when they got married, saved. And you think, here they are, they've been married now for 20 years. So what about your married life? Let's talk about your married life. Oh no, let's talk about whenever we got married. Let's talk about that wedding day. And think of it, friends, that's where a lot of folks are. That's all they want to go back to. They never go on with the Lord. They never go on with his word. They see no need of it. They see no need of going on. Don't you see what they're doing? Satan will keep them there. Keep them right there. They'll sing about the cross. They'll thank God for the cross and never go on to a married life with the Lord Jesus. Oh, I thank God for the cross. I thank God for the blood. But let me tell you how it's been since I got married. Let me tell you how it's been since me and Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Me and Carol, Lord willing, in a, in a, in a few months, will be married 49 years. Next year, 50 years, Lord willing. Oh, my. Wow. We could go back to whenever we got married down at that little Methodist parsonage at that guy's house. We could tell you all that. She didn't have a beautiful dress. I didn't have on a tuxedo. None of that sort of thing. I'll tell you that. We can talk about it for about 10 minutes, but let's move move on to our journey. Let's move on to our journey. Is it sweeter now, Carol, than it was when we stepped out of that place? Yeah. Let me tell you how I got saved. Oh, I went down to the altar and I tried and prayed. As a 12-year-old boy, they beat me on the back sometime later till I started talking in tongues, but my journey didn't stop there. My journey went on to being buried in his name. My journey went on. Hallelujah. Oh, and it's still going on and going on and going on. Oh, praise be to God and the journey's getting sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Why? Because the book of redemption is laying before me. I thank God for the cross, but I thank God for what lays before me. I'm not stopping there, but I'm going on. I'm not just stopping with God sent a prophet. I'm not just stopping with the seven seal book, but I want my life to seals to be tore off of it that I can say, Lord, let me be what you want me to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't you love him?
Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I believe it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Father God, we thank you for your love tonight, Jesus. We thank you for your mercy. Lord God, as I saw that little video clip today, Sister Simone Phillips, her mom, laying there, looks like facing man's greatest fear. Her voice weak and so low, but singing the song, God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Oh, thank God. Bless her heart. My, my, how many years she's lived on this earth. But yet a new body's waiting right there for her. As soon as she leaves this life. Lord God, how many have we, oh Jesus, lost? Lord, in the last two or three years, one after another, after another, after another, before long we're going to have more on that side than we got on this side. Every day I get more homesick for them. Oh Jesus, we want to be ready, Father. We don't want the seals just to be a black book with golden letters on it. We don't want the church ages to be a message cliche. We don't want the opening of the seals to be a message cliche. But may we see what's in it for us. We don't want the cross just to be a religious symbol. It's a religious symbol. We see it on people's mirrors and we see it on their stickers on the bumpers and on their windshields and on their glass of the cars and around their necks and Many of these rappers, Lord, they, they wear it in their rap music and all the stuff that they do, and yet a cross hanging around their neck. We want the cross to be more than that for us. For Lord Jesus, we know when you were here, you spoke more about our cross than you did your own. You spoke very little about your cross, but you spoke a whole lot about ours. So may we realize once we come to your cross, then we take up ours. We don't just stand there and say, well, we got married. Boy, the cake was so good and the reception was so nice and oh, the, the ring was so beautiful. But we want to talk about our journey. We want to talk about our life. Hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. Hey, can we just sing it? It gets sweeter. As the days go by. How many feels that way tonight? And you know what? If you don't, friends, you can before you leave this place. If you need a renewing or a freshing in your heart, I believe the Lord can grant that to you right here tonight. You remember when little Ruth went down there to the feet of Boaz and she marked the spot where he lay. And he told her he was waking wee hours of the morning and said, who's there? And she said, Ruth's a Moabite. He said, oh, I heard about you. I know who you are. But he said, cover up and lay right here to the morning. But before the men moved around the winnowing floor, he and her arose. And he told her to take her shawl, her head wrapping all around her body. And she lay it down. And he put in six measures of barley. And she took that six measures, the gift of his grace, back home. And her and her mother-in-law is going to eat. 
Then she comes home and knocks on the door. And her mother-in-law says, Who art thou, my daughter? And I am not going to preach on that now. I sure want to, but I ain't going to. So she wants an explanation of what happens. And Ruth tells her, this is her advice. Sit still, my daughter, for the man will not rest till he has finished the thing this day. Well, let me tell you something, little Ruthie. Your man, Christ Jesus, is not going to rest until he has finished redemption in this day. Hell, give way. Grave, give way. Glory be to God. The man will not rest. Oh, praise God. You love him tonight with all your heart. How many needs a touch of the Lord just in your walk? Oh, my. Just reach out to him. Let's just sing this together, shall we? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He gets sweeter. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing it now. As the days go by. Pick it up a little bit. Oh, he gets sweeter. Everybody now. As the moments fly. Oh, his love is richer. It's deeper. It's fuller. Sweeter.
save me it's good grace he gave me he placed his love down deep in my heart there's great joy in knowing to him i am going and never more from him to depart Hallelujah. 
One of these that come up here for prayer tonight wanted to give their heart to Jesus. Could have been the last name on the book. We don't know. One of these days it will be. We want to be ready, don't we? I want him to finish my name, my life. Don't you see why God down through the ages revealed himself in different names? He took on the human redemptive name of Jesus. But when redemption is over, then he will receive a new name. Is that what the Bible says? And we will also receive our true and original name. When we are finished, we must have a new name. Donnie Reagan would not be suitable for a man in a glorified human body. Wes Willis, fine name, good name. Janet Payne, John, Jim, Joe, Fred, Carol, Sue, whoever you are, fine name for a human, but not for a glorified son or daughter of God. Oh, praise God. Come, Brother Joel. God bless you, saints. Love you in the Lord. Remember, this weekend, be down with Brother David Siler. The meeting's there. Brother Tim Bidet will be here on Sunday morning. So, God bless you. Love you in the Lord. See there, devil? You didn't defeat us, did you? Appreciate the word tonight. You know, our, our pastor and, and Brother Harry have had a tough week. But they're here tonight, giving of themselves. The Lord sees that. We see that. We appreciate our brothers, do we not? Let's just continue singing what they were singing as you go tonight. Remember the services this weekend. Oh, I keep falling in love with over and